0: They say the church is closed. I say the church has never been more alive. The church has never been about a building. It's always been about people pursuing God and loving people. We're not in a crisis. We're walking through the crisis because God is with us. I will fear no evil. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We are the church, built on the foundation of Jesus as our cornerstone. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We are the church anchored in hope, grounded on the rock, Jesus Christ. We will not be shaken, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. In challenging times, we don't shrink back, we rise up. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We don't know the future, but we know the one who does and we are his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, church, it's time to get ready. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We're not going back to normal. We were never made for normal. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, welcome to Hope Church. So good to be with you guys. Who's glad to be in church this morning? Oh man, I, I, like I said, I feel like I got two months worth of worship and word in me and I am so excited as today we're starting a brand new message series called Normal 2.0. I was uh, made aware that I had to make sure that I said 2.0 instead of 2.0, so just a word of wisdom to you, say 2.0, so you don't have to get humiliated and chastised like I have by my staff um, as getting old or something like that. Fooey on that. Hey, today we started that brand new series, Normal 2.0, and I think um, there's something special about the day of Pentecost, and today we're reminded that we celebrate the day of Pentecost, which a lot of people you know, don't really know what that means, but practically speaking, the word simply means, it's pente in costi, which means 50. It really means 50, and it's 50 days from the resurrection of Jesus, where he ascended out of the grave, out of the tomb, and he walked uh, around on earth for a period of 40 days before he ascended, and into heaven was glorified by his Father. And then there was a period of 10 days in between that day when he ascended into heaven and when he told the disciples to wait for the gift that I have for you. And so we're going to take a look and begin this um, journey. I believe message series are a journey. And by the way, this message series was birthed in me through this season. Personally, as I've walked through this season, and I know that, that some of you, this has been a really weird season, hasn't it? It's been a really different season and I think in the middle of times like this um, we can we can forget what's real and we can um, lose track of what's the truth and and we can get into this really funky period of time where we can lose ourselves a little bit, we're unsure of some things because there's a lot of uncertainties. We've already walked through a lot of uncertainties and a lot of unknown, and I think there's still some of that ahead of us, but there are some things that we can hold on to that can, that can really keep us grounded and keep us anchored in our faith and in what we, are, we were created and what we were made for, amen? And I think as the church, There's a new normal that God wants to usher in through this season. I've said it and I'll say it again that I don't believe God created this crisis, but I believe that he uses crisis. Crisis um, doesn't bring about fear in people and stress in people and anxiety in people. It reveals it in people. In other words, and I think it's just very interesting, even with Pentecost, that it is the fire of God on people. And what fire does and what heat does is it brings impurities to the surface. And I believe during this season that one of the things that God is doing in the middle of this crisis is he's wanting to purify his church. He's wanting to purify his people And so he's allowing some of these things like stress and fear and anxiety to come to the surface in our lives so he can put his finger on it and say, there, I wanna deal with that. We need to deal with that because there's some things there that are holding you back that actually have become normal to you that have never should have become normal in your life. And I wanna take you out of that place of what was normal into a new season of the normal that I have for you. And so I believe part of that is part of the answer to that is going back and looking at what Jesus did. We're going into normal 2.0. We're gonna start out in Acts 2.0. Are you ready? You have your Bibles? Turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter two, verses one through four. And it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, and I want you to say this with me, they were all together in one place. That wasn't good, we need to do that again. They were all together in one place, one more time. They were all together in one place. There's something about being together in one place, isn't there? There's something about gathering together in one place. Now, that word all together, we're gonna unpack this as the series goes on today. What I'm gonna do is just kinda set the foundation for us as we begin this new series and this new journey, really, spiritually into the new that God has for us. There's something, when God's people come together in one heart, now some translations, old school, King James version, you memorize the scripture like this, they were in one accord, and I don't mean a Honda. What that word actually means is that they were together, heart, soul, and spirit. In other words, when God's people come together for the sole purpose, when their their hearts and their minds are going after God together, and they're willing to wait on God, pursue God, press into God, and to leave some things behind, I think there's some things that whenever you come through a season, that God wants us to leave some things behind and to embrace the things that are new. Paul said it this way, I'm forgetting the things that are behind me, and I'm pressing into the things. See, it's, it's easy to go back. It's easy to slip back into what was comfortable, what was familiar. It's harder to press into and apprehend that which God apprehended us for. But can I tell you that it's worth the pressing. It's worth the fight. It's worth pressing into. They were all in one accord in one place. There's something about gathering together that only God can do something when people are together and they're unified in one heart, one mind, one spirit. And when you are Here's the result. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Kind of like this morning. Anybody? Yeah. Pentecost Sunday. Come on, God. You showing off a little bit? Yeah. It kind of felt that way. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not the good ones, not the ones that were better, not the ones that are more known in the Bible, but all roughly 120 of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I think that's the key, as the Spirit enabled them. And I realize even, even reading this passage of Scripture in, in our church, we have we have people from all different walks of life and all different religious traditions. And you grew up and you were taught different things about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into that because I think I think um, uh, the Holy Spirit's gotten a bad rap. I think that uh, there's been some things that have that have uh, gone around and happened in the name of the Holy Spirit that have weirded people out, that have even caused a little bit of fear and um, and intrepidation about approaching the Holy Spirit, but can I tell you something and remind you of something? The Holy Spirit is not an it, it's not a thing, he's a person, he's the third person of the Trinity, of the Godhead. He is the counselor, he's the spirit of truth, he's the comforter. He, he, is, he is the God that leads us into all wisdom and he is the gift that Jesus said, if you'll wait for it, I'm gonna send you this amazing gift that is gonna be better than even when I was with you in person because this gift It doesn't come and go like I am. It actually stays with you because it lives inside of you. And it is the very grace and the power of God living in you. And so the title of my message today to you, and it's going to be a short one, but it's called Divine Disruption. Divine Disruption. This was a divine disruption in the apostles' life. They, they went from being in an upper room in, in John chapter 20, scared for their lives in Jerusalem, wondering what was happening. Ever since Jesus ascended, There's actually three separate times that Jesus appeared over the period of 40 days. You ever wonder, what was he doing for the other 37? (laughs) Like just hanging out, eating Cheetos, I don't know. Like what was Jesus doing? Because we only know of him appearing three different times during those 40 days after his ascent, after he rose from the grave and he had a glorified body. And um, there was a moment where the the disciples, ever since Jesus died, they were running, running ragged. Like they they were facing a disruption in their life. They thought Jesus was gonna become an earthly king. And what disrupted their normal was Jesus was crucified. He was gone. He wasn't with them anymore. They were running for their lives. They were afraid. They didn't know what was next. The fear of the unknown was a reality. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of stress. There was this weird period of time in this 40 days Where they didn't know what was happening, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, their whole world was turned upside down. They had to learn a whole new normal. And Jesus, three different times, would just kind of show up, and and he would encourage them when he would show up, but then he would, just as like, he walked through the wall, hey, you guys, got any fish? (laughs) I'm hungry. And they're like, whoa, Jesus, where did you come from? And he would encourage them. And then just as, as he would come, he would leave again. And I offered, contemplated and wondered, why was it and what was Jesus trying to do? Because you know that God calculates everything. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. God had a purpose for doing that. I believe it was, he was trying to prepare them that he wasn't gonna be physically with them any longer, but to be ready. Because God can show up and disrupt us at any moment, at any time, even in the most mundane places, even when we're at, at our rock bottom, when we're fearful, when we're stressed, when we're, when we're dabbling in unbelief, Jesus would show up and he would disrupt the, the current circumstances and places that they were in. I wanna give you a working definition for disruption. Disruption, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, says this, a disruption is a break or interruption in the normal, get that normal course of continuation of some activity. I like the way um, Dan Allender says it in his book Healing of the Wounded Heart. He says that spiritually speaking, disruptions are necessary. In fact, we, we cannot grow and change spiritually without disruption in our life. Now, bringing it back, Practically, I like Newton's law of motion, which says that a something that is in motion tends to stay in motion unless something disrupts it and changes its course. It's kind of like when you have a friend that disrupts you from taking that another Krispy Kreme donut during, during stay-at-home orders, and you're, when you're already, you're on COVID-15, and you're headed towards COVID-19, putting on the COVID-19 pounds. Y'all heard of that, right? And your friend disrupts you so that when you start coming back to church, you could actually fit into your church jeans again. And you're not at home with your elastic pajamas on or your sweatpants watching the message anymore. There, there was a period of time when, um, this is going back years, where I kind of got into lattes for a while. And I didn't realize, like, you know, when lattes were really just kind of coming on the scene and they were a thing and I'd go through, on the way to work every day, I'd go through this little coffee hut, and I'd get the latte of the day, and it was like Milky Way latte, and it had like caramel and chocolate and all this stuff, and I'd get one every single day, sometimes twice a day, like in the afternoon, and I never realized how many calories were in those suckers. I mean, seriously, you could drink like your whole caloric intake for a day, and needless to say, I was putting on some pounds, I was, Things were getting a little tight around the waist and I never going to the store to get some new shorts. And I came home with these shorts with elastic band and my wife just totally made fun of me. She totally told me, called me out. She's like, those are for old people, what are you doing? I mean, I'm like, but they're comfortable. (laughs) They're comfortable, right? What is it about us human beings? We love comfort. We're creatures of comfort, we're creatures of habit. We like to be comfortable, we don't like to be uncomfortable. And yet it's in the uncomfortable places where if you look back over the course of your life, I'll almost guarantee you that those are the times when God, if you really seek Him during those times, and that's the key, that God has really moved and grown in your life. And yet the tendency is to go back to what is comfortable in the middle of God wanting to move us out of our comfort, move us out of our routine. There was a period. There was a period during this time where, um, I don't know, the first couple of weeks, kind of like the the leader in me is I, I rose to the kid, like this is what we're gonna do to bring church to people. We're having to make decisions, and it was it was new, it was exciting. And then after about three weeks to four weeks, you kind of hit a little bit of a lull. Anybody out there where it just started to become a little bit more, even like, well, now I'm getting used to and comfortable here, and. I'm kinda of getting into this really weird place, and there was, there was like a week there where, you know, you're just broken out of your normal routine. Like the normal flow of life got disrupted, and, and I got into this real funk. It was like I woke up and I just felt like completely disoriented. Like even a little bit, I felt like a little bit of depression coming on, and I felt like a fish out of water, out of my helmet. I'm preaching to Wilson every week in the camera. Wilson, you know, the volleyball from Castaway, I call the camera Wilson because during the season, the camera became my friend. But he wasn't a very good friend because he didn't give me me no amens, didn't laugh at no jokes, didn't even smile. I much prefer preaching to you and looking in your faces and seeing, you know, God move in your life and encouraging you. But I I got to this place where I was in this funk, and maybe some of you can relate to this where one morning I got up and I said, God, what is, what is going on? Like I feel so lost, I feel, I feel empty, I feel weird. I was going through some of the same things that I would normally go through, my routines, my spiritual disciplines, but something was lacking, I just, wasn't, I just wasn't feeling it. And God said, you gotta break out of your routine. Like spiritual disciplines are good, but when routine becomes routine, we can miss the divine because of our routine. When the sacred becomes monotonous, something is a little bit amiss and something's off. When we start doing the how, but we miss the why, we can become spiritually dry and we can completely miss the point of why we're doing all this. Jesus was the ultimate disruptor. When he came to earth, he was constantly disrupting the the, uh, religious Routines that had been set up by the church at the time and the priests and the leaders, they had gotten into this rut of doing life that became normal and when actually it was dysfunctional and it was totally void of life. In fact, he would disrupt, constantly disrupting the Pharisees saying, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And I think if we're not careful, even in the church, we can come every week, we can do all the right things, but it can become routine and we can start missing out on the very life that God had intended for it to be. And the sacred can become routine and we can miss the very purpose for why we gather and why we do this thing called church. And we can get disconnected from what our purpose is. And that's when I think our spiritual life can become actually boring. I had this thought, has the church become too domesticated? You ever go to a zoo? I like going to zoos sometimes. Obviously we couldn't do it during this season, but I've been to some pretty amazing zoos. I grew up near the Bronx, so I went to the Bronx Zoo several times. I've been to the zoo in Seattle, it's amazing. But I've had this observation, maybe you can relate. When I went to the zoo, you see these animals and you get excited to go see these animals that are wild and ferocious, you know, like tire, tigers and all these different things. And, and when you go to the zoo, it's like you're, you got a little bit, like you're a little scared, but, but it's cool because you're getting to see this amazing wild animal that you hopefully wouldn't see otherwise. Um, you remember a time when you, they had, um, uh, on the way to Glacier, you could actually go see bears. You could drive through. you remember that place. They actually had to shut it down because bears would come and like bust out windows and I think he, he heard somebody one time or one of the bears hurt somebody one time, and so they shut it down. But what was so cool about going to that place, similar to a zoo, is like there was this I don't know, a little bit fear kind of like in you because the reality was these were, these were wild animals out in their environment. The only thing separating you from them was a little bit of glass. That doesn't feel too good. That doesn't make you too comfortable, does it? But going to the zoo, you see these animals that in their own environment are wild and, and their DNA, the way they were created and made is they were made to hunt, they were made for the wild, they were made to be adventurous, they were, they were made for that. They weren't made to be caged you know, behind these bars. Whenever I see those animals, they look, they look a little depressed, don't they? Yeah. They look lethargic, like you go to see, you're excited to see this wild tiger, and you go, and you're all excited, and it's like laying out with its belly up. It just ate, because they just threw this big T-bone steak to him. Here's your dinner. You know, He didn't have to hunt for it. It's just given to him and he's fat and lazy and lethargic and they actually look a little depressed to me. And I think for good reason. They've been domesticated. They've been tamed. The purpose for which they were created for has been taken away from them. And anytime we get disconnected from the purpose for which we are created for, I think we get a little bit bored. I think there, there was a philosopher, a Danish philosopher that said this, that, that all sin is a result of spiritual boredom. I wonder if, if we have become too domesticated in the walls of the church And that during this season, one of the new normals that God wants for his church is to wake us up that outside these walls, there's a great adventure waiting for us if we would tap back into the purpose for which we were created for. We were never made to just wait our time out here on earth to go to heaven. We were made to be dangerous. We were made and created inside with a purpose greater than going to work and punching a clock and coming to church week after week and saying yes and amen and having a mental ascent to our faith, but never exercising the very things that we say amen to. In fact, I don't want you to say amen to me anymore unless you're willing to go do it. Come on, we're the church. We were never made to be normal. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. We are called the holy nation. you know the word holy means to be set apart. We were never meant to be normal. People were supposed to look at us in the church and say, they're different. Those people are are extraordinary. They're not ordinary, they're extraordinary. Why? Because they have the spirit of the living God inside of us. In fact, one time when Peter and John, the first miracle recorded in the book of Acts in 14, Acts 4, 13, it says, when they got thrown in front of the magistrates and the Pharisees and they took them before them and they said, oh my gosh, when they saw the courage of Peter and John They said to themselves, look at this. They said to themselves, they must have been with Jesus. They perceived that they had been with Jesus. You know what they were saying? They say, I see another spirit inside of you. When I look at you, I don't see the same Peter. When I look at you, I don't see the same John. I see the spirit of Jesus living inside of you, and it did something to you. You're different. You're not the same. You don't look like every other person. You look like Jesus did. I see the same spirit in him that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. Somebody give a shout of praise. What's wrong with you people? Somebody needs to get fired up this morning because God is wanting to do something new. I wanted to do something new. Do you not perceive it? You gotta look for it. See, I think the greatest, the greatest challenge and maybe our biggest mistake during this season is just say we need to ride ride this out and I can't wait to go back to life as normal. I can't wait to get back to church as normal. I think that would be a big mistake. The way i postured myself during the seasons, God, I don't wanna go back to normal. I wanna go to extraordinary. I wanna go back to supernatural. And I think God is wanting to bring his church back to a place where we're, we're not so natural anymore. You know what, I, I, think, I think that When you look at the Israelites, they were in a place of slavery, they were in a place of bondage, and God miraculously, he had a divine disruption to take them out of that place of slavery and bondage. Just like some of us in the natural, we can be slaves to fear, we can be slaves to anxiety, we can be slaves to sin. And God divinely disrupted and broke them out and brought them into freedom, so that they could be free to be who God created them to be and be free to worship God in spirit and truth. And three days later, one, two, three, they're complaining to Moses that God, you took me out here and it would have been better. We don't know what's going on. At least back there, we knew what we would do. We would go to work every day, we would make bricks. But now I'm in this really weird season, just like we've been in this real weird season where we don't know what's gonna happen, yet alone yesterday, but what's gonna happen today, or tomorrow, or next week. And God has always wanted to allow us to be in a place of discomfort and not knowing so that we wouldn't put our trust in what we know, but we would put our trust in the one who knows all And that we would begin to be led, not by what we know, but by the Spirit, the very Spirit, that that fire by night and the cloud by day. And that there was supernatural provision every day. They didn't know where they were going to get food. They didn't know where they were going to get water from. And every single day, God provided something new. He was trying to teach them, you got to learn a new normal. you got to learn to be led by my Spirit, not by your own flesh, not by your ways, because my ways are higher than your ways. And just like that, in Acts chapter two, the disciples, in this weird season of not knowing what was next, not knowing what they should be doing, there was a divine disruption. The Holy Spirit was given. And yet, that moment may never had happened if they didn't break free from the old. You can't put new new wine in old wineskins. And yet, that's our temptation. Temptations just go back to what's comfortable, what's familiar, and just like the Israelites, I think God needs to disrupt our dysfunction. Because, can I tell you something? Our dysfunction can start to feel normal over time. We could start getting so comfortable with our fear, comfortable with our anxiety, that we start to medicate it, we start to excuse it away, and it starts to become our new normal, and we, and we even try to justify it to ourselves, well, that's because of this or that, and the reality is, is we could be in a sinful lifestyle that we start to uh, compensate for, and we start to excuse away, and we start to even twist the Bible into make it say and justify our actions and our behavior instead of adjusting our lifestyle and our behavior to the Word of God. And before you know it, we're living in bondage to fear and it's our normal. We're living in anxiety and we're popping pills and that's our normal. We're cheating on our spouse and that's our normal. We're coming to church and putting on a happy face and everything's good and going home and living in sin and continuing in sin and that becomes our normal. Something's gotta disrupt the pattern. Something has got, our routine, our habits sometimes need to be disrupted so that we could have time to actually step back and say, God, is this really what normal should look like? Can I tell you that I don't think it is. And I think if we're not careful during this season, our tendency to wanna go back can take us away from the new that God has for us. Look at John chapter 21, verses one through three. It says this, afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples. So, in other words, after Jesus showed up in the first upper room and he walks through the wall and he tells them, hey, you're going to need to wait because I have a gift for you. After he appeared to them, the disciples again by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, said, we'll, oh, I'm sorry. This is what Simon Peter, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee. These are fishermen and two other disciples. They were all together. They got uncomfortable. They got a little anxious. They were were out of their sorts. So what did they do? Look at Peter says, I'm going out fishing. Let me tell you, AKA. That stands for, I'm going back to what is familiar. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what is comfortable. Because even if it's dysfunctional, even if, even though like Jesus called him and he said, come follow me. And when he said, come follow me, he called him out of that lifestyle. Just like some of you, God called you out of a lifestyle. God called you out of what used to be normal, and then he put his spirit in you when you surrendered your life to him, and now he says, I got a new normal for you, but if you don't learn how to live life by my new normal, you're gonna continue to have my spirit in you, but live like you used to live and go back to the ways you used to think. The Israelites say, can't we just go back? Even though we were in bondage, at least we had garlic and leeks and Chick-fil-A and Krispy Kreme and at least I could go to the restaurant because I feel so normal when I go out to eat. And if we're not careful, we could realize that we've comforted ourselves with entertainment and all these things when what we really need is the comforter of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you something? That sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to comfort us. Sometimes he comes to afflict the comfortable. And maybe we need the Holy Spirit to afflict us a little bit so that we, we get just like, a, just like a mother eagle will put... Little pricks that he would stir up the nest and put pricks in it, so that um, when the chicks, if they don't do that, they'll stay so comfortable in the nest that they'll never break free to fly. And he, they stir up the nest and put little pricks in it, so it becomes uncomfortable to live in that place. So they're forced to get out of the nest, so that they can learn to actually fly. Some of you have been in the nest too long. Some of God is wanting to stir you up a little bit push you out a little bit, get you out of your comfort zone. Some of the things we want are just on the other side of our comfort zone. We gotta be willing to get out of them. Peter said, let's go back. If we could pick up the story. The story goes, I think it's in verse three. In verse three, if you could pull that up. I'm going to go out fishing. Simon Peter told them and they said, we'll go with you. And so they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Do you know, when God is trying to lead you into the new season, some of you have been in a season where you're not seeing any fruit in your life. You feel dry, you feel spiritually just stuck. And I believe usually when that happens is because there needs to be a divine disruption. God is wanting to usher something new into your life, but unless we're willing to step out in faith into what God has and obey what he's speaking to us, we can easily miss it. It caught nothing. Some of you, I believe just the Holy Spirit is wanting to say even to some of you online that you feel really stuck. Some of you don't know how to break free of some of the, the things that you're struggling with in your life. And you feel like your life isn't going anywhere. I think during crisis, times of crisis like we've been in, God allows us to actually feel a little bit of pain because he wants to wake us up. He wants to disrupt where our life was headed. Some of us don't like the way our life was headed. And it's I don't care if you're Christian or not. Let's get real with each other. Some of us, we're, we're, not, we're not headed up towards God. We've been plateaued or even worse, slowly heading downward. And I believe right here, right now, today, before we move forward, God wants to divinely disrupt where you're at, where I'm at, where the church is at. If we'll posture ourselves in a way that says, Jesus, you can do what you want to do. I'm available, God. I'm not holding anything back. I'm tired of what was normal. Come on, even as I look out here, some of you, I believe that you don't like the way your normal's been. I think we could go through all the motions of Christianity and we could know all the right stuff here and we could completely miss it here. This is where it starts right here. you know the word for the Holy Spirit in the Bible is is breath. It's the breath of God. And in Genesis chapter 1 it says when God formed man out of the dust of the earth he breathed in him the ruach the very breath of life the Holy Spirit. And man became a living being. You were never meant to live without the breath of God in you. You were never meant to live without the spirit of God every day in a relationship with him. He's moving, he's speaking, he's wanting to lead us, guide us and direct us and we can completely miss it if our eyes are not fixed on him, if our ears are not in tune with him. As I was praying for you and I was so excited for this service, God gave me a vision and what I saw, it was interesting because like, we're having to kind of space people apart and everything, but what I saw was piles of dead, dry wood. But they weren't just random piles. They actually looked like they were stacked like you would when you go to start a fire. And I saw them all over the sanctuary, piles of dead, dry wood. And then I saw what looked like coming down from heaven were these matches that were lit and they were tumbling down landing on top of the piles of dead, dry wood and igniting them into flames. And then I saw people coming in the doors and they were starting to gather around those fires and they were getting warmed up and God was touching them and moving in their life. And I believe that there's some of you here, maybe some of you online as well, that you have been in this, during this season, you felt dry, you feel stuck, you feel a little bit dead inside. And today, as we begin church again, in person, I wonder if God doesn't wanna breathe on your heart. I wonder if you don't need the breath of heaven to fill your soul once again touch you, to disrupt your life and the way that it's been headed, and even to usher in something new. That really begins with surrendering your life to Jesus. I know some of you in the room, most of you probably already experienced that at one point, but I believe one of the things that the Lord wants to do during this season is he wants to restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Some of us, this has become routine. It's become mundane. It's become what we do, not who we are. And I believe that needs to change. That can't be our normal church. God wants a new normal. Do you want a new normal? So I want to pray for you. Just put your hands up like this. You could answer this for yourself. How many of you would say, I need the very breath and spirit of God in me. I need him to revive my heart. We worship the God of revival. And I believe if we're gonna see revival in the church, it starts with revival in us. It starts with revival in my my own soul, my own heart. So God, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come all over this place. Fill your people once again. Fill your people once again. God, don't let us stay the same. We're making a declaration right here, right now, that we want your divine disruption. We need your presence. We need your power. We need more of your presence. God, we need more of your spirit. God, would you breathe on us? Holy Spirit, come. Breathe right now on your people. Breathe your breath of life. Breathe your breath of life. Breathe your breath of life. Come on, some of you need to just be broken before the Lord. Your life is broken, and you you need to just allow yourself to be vulnerable, to be broken before the Lord. The Spirit of God is going to come on you. Come, Holy Spirit. There's some of you that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, and I feel like there's somebody online that you're watching and you're saying, yeah, I've been stuck in this place. I feel dry, I feel dead. I don't like the direction, the course that my life is headed. I need a disruption. I need a divine disruption. Can I tell you, the way you enter into that disruption is you surrender. You surrender your life to Jesus. So I wanna pray this prayer and I want us all to pray this prayer together. Father, Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died, was buried, and rose again for me. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean and make me new. I surrender to you. Come fill me with your presence. Come fill me with your life. And I will give my life to you forever. In Jesus' name.